Hello, and welcome to a special edition of Third Degree Burn. This is our regular weekly attempt at giving you the latest news and update on the She-Hulk Attorney at Law series. And I'm your guest host, Kirk Greenfield, and I'm joined by regular host, Tim Elliott. Hello. And his wife, Fiona. Manula, close enough, and oh. hello. No, it's good. It's a hard name. Okay. And uh, we were going to be joined by a couple others, but unfortunately they couldn't make it. So this may be a little shorter episode. We're recording this about two days after the third episode dropped. And I was a little bit late because I didn't get to watch it until uh, late last night. And so we're kind of uh, trying to run catch up here. Uh, first, do we have, other than, uh, well, I don't want to tip my hand here on, on uh, all my feelings about it, but it's great. Uh, now that we've established that, uh, any comic news or any uh, sci-fi news that we need to cover before I, we get in? I, I don't. I, I, I'm not, I don't have my ear to the pulse of what's going on like Brian does. Um, I'm, you know, I'm on, I'm on my, the computer all day long for my job, and I tend to not want to try to surf the net when I'm off. Um, okay. The, you know, only news we've got sci-fi related is we're going to go see, they're re-releasing the original Jaws in 3D. So we're going to go see that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I've just recently heard, I can't think of the name of the company, is it Fathom? At any rate, whoever's releasing these movies again, they're re-releasing the Wrath of Khan for one of these events with additional comments being shared by the host of, uh, I think it's American Movie Classics, AMC. Yeah, usually it's, uh, uh, what's the young kid? Um yeah, I can't think of the name. I think of, yeah, he's a host. He's a Ben uh, Mankiewicz. I think that would be really interesting because I first saw that movie in the, the theater on the big screen. It was very moved by it. remains my favorite Star Trek episode slash movie at this well, point. So, we went um, to the uh, Star Trek Las Vegas or uh, 56 yeah. mission last, last weekend here in Vegas at the... Um, Bally's, Bally's yeah. and Soon they had a big because it's the 40th anniversary of Rathcon, so they were they didn't really were doing anything other than they had a big promotional backlit image, but I don't they might have had some talks on it. We didn't we only stayed about half a day, um, but good people watching. Yeah, it was it good people fun. watching. It was uh, it, it was a little more crowded. It wasn't as nice as the uh, previous um, venue, which was uh, the uh, the Rio, but. It went bad for a uh, for a drag commission. They had a lot of actors, a lot of uh, actresses there. They had, um, I think, Shatner was there one day. Sunday, yeah. Sunday, uh, um, Walter Koenig was there. George wow. uh, Sulu was there. I mean, th- all the original living actors yes. showed up for like yes. a day. Uh, Shatner just called tons of cons. Mm-hmm. But, I got to uh, got to attend. I can't remember if it was a San Diego con or exactly where, but I did attend at least one where the guest of honor. I think it was Mark Daniels. I don't think DeForest Kelly was on the circuit, so it must have been Mark Daniels. Anyways, he started the presentation. He said, "Anybody got a good Klingon joke?" And of course, a couple of people did. They shared one, and everybody laughed. He said, "Okay, that gets us breaks the ice and gets rolling." And no sooner had he stopped. Then all of a sudden, the most brilliant joke popped into my head. And while I desperately tried to get his attention because I knew it would bring down the house, I couldn't. And it was the moment was passed. But um, it was something to the effect of what's the difference between a Klingon and a pig? And the answer is pigs take prisoners. (laughs) 
so yeah. that's that's more or less right out of the third movie. So uh, if if you've seen the third movie, you'll get it that immediately. Okay, so it wasn't that funny. Um, no, it was good. Moving on. Um, I have one other piece of news before we get into She-Hulk, and that is my daughter has decided that she really wants to see the Sandman series, which is on Netflix. So she has broken down and got a subscription to Netflix, and we watched the first Sandman. I think it's been a week ago now. I don't know that I shared that on the air on our last podcast or not, but I was very impressed with it. Mm-hmm. I have not read the graphic novels or the comic Sandman, although I have great respect for it, great respect for the writer, and I know it's held in high regard. And from what I saw of it, the makeup and the casting and the moodiness and the camera angles are just spectacular. Um, yeah. I'm so impressed with the production. I was kind of in the same boat. I watched, I think, a book podcast ago i said i watched half an episode and i was like nah not not really my thing and then chris was talking about brian's son was talking about how great it was and i thought well i'll give it another you know i'll give it a shot and i ended up serial watching the whole thing in a weekend it's it's like gothic-y enough and it's <laughs> fun to watch the, my only criticism and i think chris said the same thing is like if i was going to do a lucifer character i'd go all out and she's kind of you know i think they could have been more creative with her but it's a good storyline I've only got one episode in. I think there's, what, 11? Uh, uh, something like 10? 10 or 11, yeah. There's like a okay. bonus little episode at the end that's not really No, it's like a, a cartoon with a cat. Yeah, oh, but yeah. there's, I think, 10 episodes. is. Um, well, I would like to watch the rest of it with the family, but it's hard enough to get them to sit down. Mm-hmm. And speaking of getting them to sit down and watch, they uh, we did watch the first episode of She-Hulk together. And unfortunately, it didn't really appeal to my wife, and my daughter wasn't really into it either. She was had her eyes more on Sandman. Um, and so neither of them watched the second episode. My wife made a comment. Uh, it wasn't her cup of tea. One, she didn't like the sense of humor that it was presenting, and two, she didn't like angry, green, rage, you know, type stuff. And I, I stopped short of trying to tell it, but there isn't any in the second episode it's it's moved on it, the story has established that she's not the hulk you know yeah. the hulk was that that was bruce's thing initially yeah anyway so i i did not convince her couldn't convince her so i watched the third episode alone and i'm tickled by the third episode you can't already tell um I thought the third one was it, it's an improvement over the first two. It, it's certainly, if I was going to pick the three I've seen, I would say it's the best. Um, I, I still think the, the comedy could be, the humor could be a little sharper. It's a little low-hanging, I think. But, and they need to really play, I brought this up last week, they need to really play up her breaking the, the fourth wall. Oh, I, I think they're doing they plenty it. of like it. They, did it they do it, but I want her to talk to the writers or the directors or something. I, I want her to really building up though. I kind of get the vibe that like they're gonna get they're gonna get more breaking of the third wall and as the episodes come, right? Because it seems to get funnier and it seems to get a little bit more loose as a, as the episodes. It's, it's kind of loose, and and you can see that when the writers admitted that they don't know how to write a court drama, they don't know how to write a court drama. <laughs> Law and order, this is not, but. Um, I mean, for a for a goofy, I, I mean, this one I think what made this one shine was Tim Roth. I thought he was the highlight of the episode, and help me, which character is he? 
He's the Emil Blonsky, the abomination. Okay. Okay. See, I'm not familiar with him because I didn't watch the Defenders or I've not seen him in anything else. So this is my first exposure well, to him. Well, he was only uh, in the Ed Norton Hulk movie, so uh, which oh, is like the second okay. movie after Iron Man. So it's early in Marvel's, um, the MCU, so yeah. before they switched to Mark Ruffalo. But he's, he's yeah. been in lots of things. He was famously in Pulp Fiction. Is he? The nomination yeah. was in Pulp Fiction? He's, well, I'm Tim I'm Roth kidding. Is. I'm kidding. I can't recall what his role would have been, but then I didn't, I, I didn't watch Pulp Fiction from stem to stern when it was on cable or something. I jumped around in it. Well, he's in the bookend. He's in the bookend scenes. It's him and Amanda Plummer are the two bank robbers that, spoilers for Pulp Fiction, are uh, holding up the diner. Yes. Okay. I know that scene. I'll have to now go back and watch. We had a had a TV show for a while called Lie to Me. Where, that I don't know cool. what channel it was on, but he was like a guy that could tell if you were lying. I don't. I never watched it, but he was. It was one of those kind of um, psych or one of those type shows. But was it a comedy or was it? I don't uh, think it was a comedy. It was more like uh, what was an Nathan Fillion uh, show, Castle. You know that kind of. Uh, yes. Yeah. It was kind of had humor in it, but it wasn't Procedural a comedy. Procedural drama, cop yeah. drama. Yeah, it was something like that. All right, so. Speaking of uh, speaking of those, uh, I've never seen it after it aired on the the, uh, the Sci-Fi Channel, but I really loved. Oh, I hope I get the name of it right. It wasn't Strange Brew because that's the the thing with Mackenzie Brothers. But this was it was a story about a guy who gets tomorrow's newspaper today. Early edition. Uh, is, was it early edition? That's what it was called. And then yeah. he has, and there, I'm not sure if I'm confusing two of them, but. Um, Anthony Michael Hall played um, the Dead Zone. That's the uh, Dead so, Zone. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's something separate. But that's the time period. And yeah. whatever this this movie was about, the the guy was seeing the future, or that he he could not that he could tell that you're lying or something. But there was something odd that it was always a case where he knew the future or he knew how it was going to play out. It was a newspaper. So was, I think he would get a newspaper that would give like tomorrow's. Headlines or something, today? right? And it was, I think, like, kind of like Quantum Leap. You know, well, Quantum Leap, they never established that who was making Sam jump around. Was it God? Was it some higher being doing it? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. he was he was serving a purpose. And I think the same thing for early edition. Um, that was Davy Sweeney, I think, wasn't it? That's the name. That's the actor. Yeah. So that has to be the series. I really enjoyed that, but I've never seen it come back again. I don't and think by it the ran way, about a season, I think. Quantum uh, Quantum Leap is being remade and comes back in about two weeks' time. And yeah, I heard they were remaking it. And I'm not sure how how the casting goes, but I um, they changed a couple of things up. I think it's a woman. And I'll just now. leave it at that. I don't think it's a it's a, it's a male. I think the, the the lead is a woman. That's what I had thought, but I'm I'm not 100 percent sure of that based on what I just recently read. Yeah, because we don't we don't get regular TV, so we don't we don't write it. We're not. You don't get NBC? Oh goodness! Well, we we get it from Hulu, me. but we don't have regular TV, so we don't we don't see commercials for things unless it's something we know about. We don't usually watch it. But gotcha. Um, okay, so back to She-Hulk. Um, I have to say this: I really like the tone of the show, and it sounds a little disingenuous for me being a, uh, a U.S. male 
to say this, but I like the feminist vibe in it. Um, That's not a a bad thing. It's really prominent. Okay. It It is. I I like it. I don't don't know if it's my place to say that. And I'm so glad that you agree with me. Because I I like the fact that they keep coming back to it, that it's an underlying subtext um, that that has been in all three episodes, I think, in some form or another. Yeah. Um, I I really like that. I will give them this. They're not being as preachy or as yeah. over the head with it as I thought they would be. Yeah, it's very subtle, but well, I don't and say I, it's subtle, but it's it's <clears throat> not it's not they're not it's not the main thing of the show. In the face with it. Yeah. And it's interesting I'd, I'd be interested to see if like women watching the show and men watching the show if women yes. read it differently cuz it for me it's like she'll say things and I'm like girl preach. I hear what you're saying. And I think yep. it just completely goes over Tim's head. But it's even like the music choices, like the like I mentioned this before, Eve finishing out the episode and then some of the um oh, the music. Mm-hmm. Well, the this the Megan Three Stallion. Was, the, the person that was on the show, Megan Three Stallion. I didn't know who. I had no Megan, idea who that no, was. No, Megan. I don't Stallion. know who that person is. Is that I a real? I don't think we're supposed yeah. to know, Kirk. Yeah, it's, she, it's current. Like, and that's the thing with the music choices. Like, if you look up the playlist, it's all current. Not May. Well, Megan Three Stallion is as current, but like some of the music choices at the end are pretty good. Yeah. That's good. Okay. I mean, I th- so I it's contemporary. The little, yes. I thought the little twerking thing at the end was a little cringy, but. I keep saying Megan Three know. Stallion. It's Megan the Stallion. I don't. Sorry, guys. Right, right, right. <laughs> what, the, the twerking thing was that the close credit scene, the the post credit yeah, scene where they were dancing yeah. in the yes in her office. I wasn't sure what the point of that was. I kept waiting for one or the other of them to be revealed to be the shapeshifter. No, I think that was just. Oh, we haven't talked about the shapeshifter. Um, the and that actress looks familiar. I don't know who that was. The older yeah, one was playing does. the. The, the elf. She, she looks like the comedian. Um, Amy? Uh, Amy no. McBride? No, no, no. She's got she's got a brother who's a writer. He writes books. Yeah, be more specific. God. Hold on. This one brought my phone. So I, I thought she looked a little bit like Cloris Leachman. No. Um, Keep I talking. Was, I'll tell you who it is. I thought maybe it was um, Amy from uh, Saturday Night Live. Um, Amy Schumer? No. Nope. No. I know what Amy um, Schumer she was not, she's not old enough. Slightly heavy set uh, comedian. Sedaris. Amy Sedaris. That's who it is? That, no, that's who she. I think she looks like. Oh, okay. And her brother's David Sedaris. Oh. I'm sure she was probably somebody. This wasn't an unknown. It was somebody. But that's what happens when you get three old people on a podcast that don't know anything about <laughs> contemporary. Speak for yourself. Well, I think we're part of the target audience. Um, you know, not not the only one. No, and I would honestly, I would argue that I think the sh- sitting next to Sam watching the show, it's a lot of like, well, that's not how they would have done it, and because he's got so much history with like the Marvel universe, and he can make the yes. connections, and so I don't think you guys are the target audience. I think somebody like me or even younger than me is the target audience because the music's contemporary, the jokes are contemporary. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think they don't care if they've not, got a hardcore. Yeah. Marvel They're or not trying She-Hulk. to pander to you guys. Uh, no, it's, they want yeah. a young, hip kind of uh, yeah. crowd that just doesn't care. You know, you don't you don't have to know the backstory of, of She-Hulk because right, right. You, you just have to know because this is we're seeing her backstory. Yeah. In the episode, so we don't have to know yeah. if well, they're doing they, it right or not. But the the way that they do make connections though is like if you watch um, 
if you watch these shows, there's all these little Easter eggs, right? All these little yes. connections. And if you're a hardcore Marvel fan, you can, it's like Brian mentioned in the last podcast. He's like, did you guys notice the comic book? Blah, blah, yeah, blah. That would have completely passed me up. But you guys will catch that stuff. Like the whole thing with Wong and the, you know, uh, Sorcerer Supreme and the storyline behind that, you know. So I think they're trying to balance between, you know, the old school nerd base and then they're trying to get a new audience which hey well you guys the the interesting approach is they are they kind of started doing this with wong anyway that because this is basically a comedy whoever they bring in they're going to have to have a kind of comedic either they're going to play it straight and be kind of the joke or they're going to have to kind of crank it up and be a little comedic because if you take somebody who's very serious in their movie Mm -hmm. Then they come into this, they can't play it too serious because it's a comedy. Yeah. So they're going to have to, and it depends, you know, it's a, like when she, early in the episode, when she turns to the camera and says, I hope you don't think this is just a uh, uh, guest star of the week. Guest star, yeah, or the week, just except for the, the abomination and except for Wong. And Bruce, and, and she and Bruce, lists them yeah. all. And in yeah. fact, she suddenly goes, maybe it is. Well, and I thought if I wonder if obviously the Bruce is because they're setting up something for Bruce, they're using this as to set up some storyline for him. But I wonder if they got uh, Blonsky out of jail just so they could use him someplace else in the Marvel universe, either a movie or uh, a TV show, or was it just because they thought, well, we need to get somebody that she might have a conflict of uh, representing because. He did try to kill, you know, he was, he did try to kill, um, um, Abomination, Abomination tried to kill Hope. Um, okay. And some of my, my sticking points were that there's no way he would ever get parole. He must have, he, you know, in this first film, he killed probably several people, at least. There's no way he would go uh, up for parole after, say, it's been 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, because that way you don't know how many times he gets knocked out in that movie, so, but... And, and some of his story of that it was done to him, but the government doesn't quite wash either because of I don't want to. But it's a comedy. Run the movie but that's the comedy yeah. angle of it, right? Yeah, it's, it's tongue in cheek. Yeah. Um, I I think I think you just kind of have to suspend your disbelief and nod mm-hmm. and say, okay, let's see where they take this. Yeah. Well, uh, and I think what's going to happen ride. is again to your point of like you know the backstory, but me not knowing the backstory and watching this of like this guy's going to show up again and he's going to screw her some some way like it's going to yeah. play out right so they're just going to bounce off each other well, kirk what do you think, think of so. uh, the wrecking crew showing up oh i did recognize them it took me a, a moment or two and uh, i realized there were four of them i went wait a minute what are their weapons i think this is their current interpretation of it uh, they were okay they were nowhere near as powerful or uh-huh. as mature as I would have expected them to be, but that's okay. They they introduced them. They they bungled the job, and obviously they're trying to serve some hidden. Uh, a spoiler here. They say the boss is not going to be very happy. He didn't get what he wanted from us. And then there's this curious shot where she held kind of turns and looks at her reflection in a darkened tinted window, an automobile at night. And so you're seeing her reflection in the in the window. I thought it was good. The window was going to go down, or we were going to see who was inside. That that was the boss, someplace, but it didn't go anywhere. I think I, that is that is them trying to show that Jennifer is finally seeing herself for who she is. 
she, you know, she was walking home in her yep. uniform. The guys jump her. She becomes the shell and knocks she, them all No, out. first she she cries help, and then she goes, "Oh yeah. wait a minute!" Yeah, what? And then she doing? transforms. And so, I think that's that's the first step. They're showing that oh, she's thinking, well, maybe being the She Hulk is not that bad. And they're trying to. I think they're slowly getting into Burns' interpretation where she likes yes. being the She Hulk. Yes. Uh, and I think that's what's going to happen because we've seen scenes that are obviously later in the episode or the season where she's wearing like a uh, like a dinner dress or like a some kind of a shiny dress or something. She's out mm-hmm. doing something formal or something. So I think we're going to establish that she uh, she's getting to where she likes not necessarily being a superhero, but she likes being She-Hulk. Now there's a reference in this episode in a couple of places. Uh, it's rumored that she was rejected by the Avengers. Did that just come out of thin air in this episode? Or is I think there so. Any- uh, they, they did the same where, you remember when she was leaving the courtroom, one of them says, is it true you were injured uh, trying to, in a mob hit or something, which is her real origin. Oh, from the really? Comic. Yeah, she was. Well, she I was, didn't catch that, but that makes sense. Yeah, so that's the whole That came out of left field there, and I was kind of like, oh, okay. So they're they're a, throwing everything against the wall to see if it'll stick. Yeah. So there was a thing about uh, in the episode they were showing texts or whatever about like no more female superheroes and blah blah. blah. And apparently that was kind of a read off of um, actual feedback about getting more super. Do you guys know anything about this? Well, no. I just saw there were some like there were like clips from people you know mm-hmm. uh, just like sound different points of, of view yeah and somebody said why can't she be her like her own thing or something instead of being yeah derivative of the hulk you know and you know they, i, I guess they're was, trying to get a little meta there i thought it was brilliant that they threw those in because those are questions that have occurred to me and to others as well like did we really have a need for a shield separate from the character that she's evolved into when she first appeared i couldn't figure it out it's like why why are we doing this? Except Stanley wants the copyright. You know, it, it didn't make any sense to me. So to well, have these people, it was his last, his his throw last in that point character. of view. Well, is it? Well, I guess so. Is, isn't yeah. there like characters? And again, you know, I'm not. I'm going to ask a lot of stupid questions, but like, isn't there characters like a female Spider-Man, and a like uh, a like a Superman, but there's a female version of it? Like to your Supergirl. point, yeah, exactly. Yes. Like Batgirl. That's what I'm saying. Like, just the Scarlet Witch. There's no male version of the Scarlet Witch. No, right? no, no. There's not. There. Oh. It's, oh. it's it's and and I would say that when those female versions came around, I don't think that was to appeal at that time to necessarily a female audience. I mean, Supergirl goes back to I think the 50s. Yeah. Or the 60s and back. Late 50s. Yeah. So I don't think that was. So that who's was it meant to appeal to? Who's the Who's the market when they take a they essentially just feminize? I think a it male was character. it's either. You're still trying to appeal to young men because you've got, yes. got a more sexy version mm-hmm. of the character, uh, which is what she is, right? She's not. Yeah, nice. and that's. I mean, that goes to why you know uh, why are any any of the female characters you know they're appealing to these yeah. you know what they would think of as a typical kind of ba- da- basement dwelling. I don't get out and date much kind of guy that just wants to see a woman yeah. in like spandex. Well, not even that. Like this is kind of a weird comment to make, but it's like in in nature, a lot of time the the, the female version of something is not the prettier version. Peacocks, for example, it's the yes. males that have the big pretty, right? The females just look like big brown chickens, right? So I always think to myself, like with 
the She-Hulk, she wouldn't be a sexified virgin. Like she'd be, she wouldn't be, she, she would kind of remind me of like Fiona off of uh, Shrek, right? She wouldn't be, Okay. it wouldn't be good. And I was thinking to myself, uh, I wonder if like, if everybody redesigned the She-Hulk, what would she really look like? Well, they've already done that. They, they went through, uh, I wasn't reading the books, but they went through and they, they made her look more like um, Bruce. I mean, she was yeah. massive. And that's what she should look like, I think. Well, it just depends. It, it, one, it's she's not, not as strong as Bruce. Initially, she was not as strong as Bruce. I think Wahatmu well, has her at about a 70 ton range. Mm-hmm. But obviously, if they want to make her appealing, they're not going to make her look wide and massive like yeah. the Hulk would be. She's going to look... And originally, she didn't even look muscular. She mm-hmm. just looked tall, more Amazonian. Burns, when it kind of came, gave her a little bit of tone... Not overly, mm-hmm. but just like she had muscles in her arms and her legs and just looked really fit. And, and she had they, spandex. Right. And then later they 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 raged her up and she was looked really like she was pumped full of hormones. Um, I, you know, depend, I'd be interested to see. Depending on who vision of it, depending yeah. on who's handling the character, yeah. you get in different interpretations and and very strong reactions on whether the, the most recent version is is as good as the last one. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. anything new is always, eh, do I like this? The Hulk itself yeah. is interpreted differently. Sometimes yes. he's done very cut. Sometimes he's just kind yeah. of big and Yeah, it just depends on the artist and who's ever writing. But I'm, yeah. I'd be interested to see if they if they did the She-Hulk and it was written by a woman, right? And, and inked yes. by a woman. Like what that interpretation would look like. I'm not saying that they there probably wouldn't okay. kind of be like a, I don't know like a sexy version to it, but, you know. The She-Hulk, I don't know. Um, I, I think Byrne certainly had a, he didn't have a, I don't know if I would say, well, you read it, Kirk, would you say, I wouldn't say that Byrne had a feminist approach to his writing, no. but he portrayed her as a strong character. Yeah. Yeah. With her own, her own, her own, uh, agency and her own, she wasn't. Own um, opinion. Exactly. Her own opinion, her own motivations, but she wasn't const, you know, throughout the book. Preaching about how she's been put down or how she's no. been and nobody wants to read that. that. Like that's not. It's supposed no. to be comic book. Supposed to be entertaining, and I get that. I'm just saying, like, just in general, and this isn't like a new idea. It's just in general when you look at the, you know, comic book heroes when they do a female character, it's like there's always. Well, I mean, well, obviously, let's, let's face it. The the, mo- the the general male audience, I think, wants to see doesn't want to see a big bulky superhero heroine mm-hmm. or female hero. But as a woman, what would you want to see? You want to see someone who looks, if she's supposed to be massively strong, do you want her to see her look like Schwarzenegger, but with boobs? Or do you want her to look like just a fit, uh, like, athletic woman? I, you know, well, I think it'd be... A lot like of to, it, go ahead, Kurt. There's a lot of room for interpretation there. It yeah. doesn't have to be a polar one-to-one. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I mean, at the end of the day, like, comic books are, it's it's a sellable item. It doesn't really matter. It's like, it's not art, right? I mean, it is art, but at the end of the day, you have to write a story and sell something and sell an image that people go purchase. Right. And you got to know right. who your audience is and come back to you. Yeah. To and do if, it again. Right. And I, you know, realistically, I don't think there's a huge, and I could be wrong. There's not a, there's a, there's probably a more sizable audience of women now that are in comics, but back yes. when this character came out, there wasn't, and they had to recognize I, who they were targeting. Now, your point of like, what do I think a She-Hulk would look like? I think she would just be more athletic. 
right? Which I think they're capturing this show, right? They're not, she's not overly sexualized. But I think when you compare just the, um, uh, she's a lawyer, obviously. Like, there's a lot of very pro-feministic things that I think are great. It, it's not like she's just like a, you know, a male spinoff of Bruce with boobs, which is great. Right. And I, and it's, again, this is meant to be a story that appeals to everybody. But anyway, I just got off on a tangent. I, I like her. I like, I like the character. Yeah, well, I, the, well, yeah, you should read the burn run. The burn run, she's, I mean, other than the fourth wall break, which I've stated wasn't, I thought, wore a little thin. But the way he wrote her was great because mm-hmm. here's the, the differences. The dichotomy is here's Bruce as this tortured Jekyll and Hyde guy that, you know, he can't, he can't find peace. He's always trying to find a cure for himself. He can't, uh, can't live a normal life. And then here's the She-Hulk who embraces yeah. her power. Well, but she is still a little broken, right? The whole, and not as like, I talked about this before, there should be more of a storyline where she's like struggling with the fact that she can't go her whole life. But um, I think an actual She-Hulk would have more mental health issues for lack well, of Well, in, in the original run, I don't, I haven't read the original run. I don't know if she's continued working as a lawyer. I think she, I think the storyline was that she, like during the day she'd work as a lawyer mm-hmm. and then at night she would go out as She-Hulk and kind of try to, you know, get justice for this Bob case she was working on. Mm-hmm. But when Byrne took over, she'd already been an Avenger, so she was a full-blown superhero. And then during Secret Wars, when the thing leaves, Mr. Fantastic invites her to join the FF, which I thought was a brilliant move. I did, too. I did. I was shocked by it, but in the long run, it made sense. He made it work. And I don't care what the detractors say. You know, it fired on, on you know three or four of the cylinders. And it was a good thing. It was a good move. Absolutely. absolutely. He elevated because she was Sela's character up till then. And yep. yep. And he really elevated her to the point where I think when the thing came back, he let her stay in the team for a while and he didn't join the team again. Right. It wasn't until right. she left. And I don't remember when she, maybe it was during his run uh, on no. Shield when Burn was doing it. But uh, no, it was after. After. Uh, yeah, Burn returns about 292, or, or leaves, I'm sorry, in, in about 292, and, and it goes through all sorts of machinations. And, well, that's um, when Sharon yes. Shira comes on as yes. yeah. Miss Marvel, and she's and the, the pineapple Hulk, and, or the yeah. pineapple thing, and we won't yeah. get into that. Yeah. Very poor period, in my estimation. But. All right, so top highlight of the show and top low light of the show. All right, Kirk, yeah. you go first. I got to think about this for a second. Um, top highlight, uh, one of them was that uh, her coworker, um, and I can't think of his name, but the the sexist pig, uh, gets his come up and pretty good. I wasn't expecting him to come back, and I wasn't expecting her to to be able to insult him so brilliantly and win the case by doing it. I mean that was pretty good. Um, so that was one of the high higher points for me. Visually, the high point for me was seeing the abomination transform. They really held mm-hmm. on to that card and only played it close to the end. And I was impressed. I thought that was, um, it looked good and they didn't make it last too long. Then they put the genie back in the bottle. And it's like, okay, that's all that I needed. Because that must have cost a pretty penny for CGI. Um, low light of it. I still, I didn't recognize who the shapeshifter was. I don't know if she's ever existed before. 
I got the sense that she was a sprite, that she was going to be a sort of a low-key character, going to be a troublemaker. Um, I can't think of the, the word puck in uh, in yeah. uh, Midsummer Night Dream or something. She was going to be a prankster. Uh, but I don't think we've seen the end of her. It may not have paid off in this episode, but I have a feeling that Jennifer is going to utilize her later on down the road to either imitate herself or imitate somebody else. And, you know, like the old Superman Clark Kent, how can they both be in the same room at the same time? That's coming. I think they're going to utilize that person. So is that a low light? Um, That's off the top of my head. That's the only thing I can think of. I, I didn't recognize her, but I appreciate her for the imp that she's supposed to be. Uh, highlight for me is always the humor. It just seems like the show's getting a little funnier, uh, which is good. And the, and anytime I can find new music, I'm, I'm one of those idiots when you're like in a store and you see somebody holding the phone up to the speakers in the ceiling. That's me trying to Shazam a song that I've never heard before. So the, one of the closing songs, um, I had to Google the name, but it is a song called Yanaka. It's by a Seize the Power by Yanaka. And uh, it was one of the closing songs. I really liked it. So I, that was a highlight for me. And then the low light. Um, I, I don't really have one. I mean, I think the low light is, you know, I'm probably missing a lot of the story because I'm just, it's fun to watch. And I'm yeah, not making not the connections. Well, all the backstory to... Well, like the whole... There was a half... Again. Yeah, well, half the Wong thing, like when he showed up and he was talking about, you know, I was I'm, like, I know there's a connection here. I was like, I don't get it. Whatever. But uh, for me, it's just eye candy. I'm just watching all the pretty things on the screen. So um, it's... I, and and like that's I, good. If yeah. It, if the story pays off for you in one episode, you're you're good. You don't yeah. need all these Easter eggs to yeah. to to follow the storyline. Yeah, they're just icing for well, some me, of them. Let me ask you a question: When the abomination turns into the abomination, right? Did yeah. he always look like just a like a oversized creature from the Black Lagoon, or is that a new concept? He, they have, uh, and that it's funny because in the uh, we haven't seen this abomination since uh, the uh, Master of Kung Fu movie, the um, uh, Chang Chi and the Seven Rings. Mm-hmm. He okay. has a cameo in that. And that's the first time we've seen him since the Ed Norton film back in 2010. Mm-hmm. And that one, it got him completely wrong. He was vaguely green. He did not have the webbed ears. He did have the two toes and I think the... the but he didn't look at all like he sure looked. And they corrected him a little bit. They gave him the webbed ears at least. Yeah. And he looks a little greener. But did you... Because it kept talking about how scary this guy was, right? Because I'd never seen him before. And then when he right. does his thing, I was like, this is not scary. Well, it's not that he's scary. I think he would be that... Uh, he would be this... He's just this huge seven-foot... Uh, yeah, who would have expected this mild, meek, little British actor was going to yeah. transform into a Hulk of that <laughs> size? I think that was part of the point why she kept saying, no, 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 don't do this. Okay. Um... So Tim is showing me what the abomination actually looked like in the comic, and that's that's scarier. Yeah, the original. I'm showing her uh, Burns abomination, which I think is a brilliant because that's he he first showed up in the Hulk, and I think that's Gil Kane. He looks like Uh, a gargoyle. I was exactly. I was going to suggest that that you look for his first appearance, which is approximately Tales to Astonish '88, because there's a three or a four part Gil Kane drawn story. 
And that's where I first started paying attention. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, if you'll please bear with us, we're experiencing technical difficulties. I love how all the superheroes always have these like superhero sized speedos on. Like yeah. there's some superhero speedo store. If you're gonna, right. gonna superhero out, you gotta get these undies. Well, you know, for a while when they drew the Silver Surfer, he had no uh, waistline. He had no indication of clothing, and apparently somebody got some feedback that said, "Put shorts on him." So they just <laughs> added one line across his belly and a, a line or two across his thigh, and that's all they did to him. Well, it's like the, the abomination picture we're looking at. This is him transforming. He was wearing a military outfit. He was wearing army fatigue. Yes. Mm -hmm. So yes. where his green trunks came from, I don't know. But it's just like, obviously, we can't draw a naked man. So we right. have to. But you'll notice that in this one, he is just naked. He is. He just looks like he doesn't have any... Um, oh, this one, like right here. Yeah, any genitalia, I guess, is the word I'm going to say. But he's a, he's a Ken doll. Yeah. Yes, exactly. and I noticed him. that in the, in the show too. Yeah. When they He's had just... him transform, I was going, "How are they going to handle this?" And they totally don't deal with the, the abomination. They do deal with it when um, Emil is covered with a blanket or, or mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. She says, "Get this guy some clothes." Yeah. It's <laughs> like, and that's about all that they needed to deal. I mean, it's it's I I got it. It's a comic book. It's a, a family show, so to speak. Well, that's why you, um, see that was him, enough. you see him take his Crocs <coughs> off and gingerly put them down because he doesn't want to ruin his Crocs. He doesn't care about his prison. Ah, and he okay. puts his shoes down. I wondered down, where that was going. And then he transforms up and then proving that, hey, I can transform anytime I want. I could. I guess they hinted that he could have gotten out of the cell if he transformed, but, but he chooses not to. The original so. interpretation, if I don't know if you guys have read that, the four-part Gil Kane arc, the original t interpretation was... Army soldier, oh yes, we're after the Hulk. Okay, they've got Banner, they've dragged him outside. Oh, look, here's his machine. Gee, here's my chance. I'll step on the machine, I'll you know, trigger it with my big toe or whatever. I get transformed into, oh my God, I'm not a Hulk, I'm the Abomination, and he can't change back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he can't, he, but he forever, keeps his... The original conceit but, is that that's keeps, him for good. Yeah, but he keeps his intelligence. So he was yes. kind of the... Uh, and they, in that story, they established that he was he was hit by a more concentrated dose of gamma rays, so he was actually stronger yes. than the Hulk. Mm -hmm. Yes, but then and it's it, a good thing too. As, but he wasn't in the, the story because the stranger then comes in and sort of pits them against each other, and then realizes, you know, I backed the wrong horse here. I wanted the engine of destruction, and this abomination character is more yeah. <laughs> of one than the Hulk. So. Uh, never mind, Hulk. I, I don't want you anymore. I'm going to take the abomination and but fly they, off back to my planet. But <laughs> didn't they mention in the Disney version he wasn't the U.S. military? He was like British. He was. They changed it. He was a Russian. In the in the it was a Cold War. In the original story, he was a Russian trying to infiltrate the army yes. base. Okay. And he was spying on Banner. And then he yes. sees that Banner was trying to cure himself. Uh -huh. And the, they the soldiers come in and grab him before he can hit the the little switch and cure himself. That's when Blonsky comes out and goes, he wanted to stand in front of this machine, wonder why, and he hits it with his foot, and then suddenly he's hit with the cameras. Mm. He transforms, and he realizes that it just kind of goes to his head. It's like, hey, I'm the most powerful thing in the world. And he starts this trash in the place, beats the Hulk near to death. Okay, so if you had a choice, away. if you had to be either the Hulk or the Abomination, which one would you be? 
That'd be the Hulk, because the Hulk, the Abomination has a set strength level. The Hulk has not. The Hulk mm-hmm. is the only one that when he gets matter, he gets stronger. So his le- his limit of or level of strength, I don't think he's ever been hit. The Abomination can't get any stronger. He's just so I think his baseline is about a hundred hundred ton range. The Hulk's baseline is about seventy, but as soon as he gets mad, he goes up to who knows what. Mm-hmm. Right. Preach. That's how I feel sometimes. Yeah. yeah. You don't even know where this is going to go. <laughs> so, Kirk, what would you be, Hulk or Abomination? It's a loaded question because we know so much more about Banner and his various incarnations as the Hulk, Smart Hulk, Dumb Hulk, Raging Hulk, um, Mr. Fix-It. I mean, there are all sorts of other situations. The Abomination, as far as I knew prior to this, I'd never seen him revert to a human form ever at all. I don't think he's ever. He's never. He's always stayed. He's always stayed. uh, So I would. I would lean towards the Hulk just because the abomination is supposed to be the extreme end of the scale. That he's ugly, he's powerful, he's he's uh, uh, he's mean, he's nasty, and he got taken away by the stranger. And he never ever should have returned. That should have been the end of him. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, it's too. it's the same rule, uh, same Deus the machinery. Uh, you know, to 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 put the genie back in the bottle that they used to end the Magneto uh, X-Men fight in the first 12 issues of the original X-Men. Same same solution. The stranger shows up for the very first time and says, you want to recruit me? You want to recruit me to your band of evil mutants? I am power. I am so much more. And I'm taking you to my intergalactic zoo. And zoom, there goes Magneto and, and Toad. And they should never have come back. It You know, the, the comic book trope of Oh, and how did they escape and come back to Earth? Should never have that card should never have been played. It's so much more powerful of a story that they bite off more than they can choose, and they get their comeuppance, and they're gone. They're taken. Right. It's never to al- return. Almost the same with, and then we we talked about this up on the show of uh, Phoenix. You know, yes. Phoenix should have stayed dead. Yeah. Instead of they, you know, and they didn't. They haven't really brought her. Well, they have. Brought her back. They brought her back into forms with her future daughter. But yeah, I, I kind of agree that once she she died, she shouldn't have brought her back because you really couldn't have her the back. The original as, story. Yeah. It just you can't have her back as a, as a as a big bad because she's too powerful. I mean, what are you going to do? So, to, so if I answered your question, I guess forced choice of those two. I'd rather go with the Hulk, particularly if he can manage the smart Hulk, mm-hmm. Professor Hulk, and and keep it there. Wow, that's the best of all worlds. Right. You know? It could be the and leader. The you just have is, a big brain. When, well, just, yeah. oh, we haven't seen him yet, have we? No, but I wonder if they're gonna. Well, they, they hinted at that, you know, in the. Well, you haven't seen it, but they hint that you're gonna get the leader in that Ed Norton Hulk movie, and it's uh, Tim Tim Blake Nelson plays uh, the leader. He doesn't kind of hint that he's gonna become the leader. But mm. I'm kind of curious of what we're going to see. That's the leader, see? Yeah. He, he's green. He just has a, a big, giant head because he's super smart, but he has no idea. I'm so glad you guys are in the same room so that you can show her these things yeah. and hold up. This is that, the only way cool. I can follow these conversations is I'm on my phone Googling half the stuff you guys talk about. Well, oh, I'd be kind of cool if we got the leader. To... You know? hmm? I think it'd be cool if we got the leader. I don't know. I mean, the the... the 
the She-Hulk doesn't really have a uh, a rogues gallery. Not really. Um, no, she didn't really have one in Burns Run. I don't think she had one in uh, the original run. No, she's so just she was she was battling C listers and D listers, especially that burn with dust off old unused characters or concepts, and then bring them back to humiliate them or to say, um, you know, there there's some traction in here if it was handled right. I don't remember anybody coming back. I don't, I don't around think a second so. and, time. And, and the fact that they brought in the Wrecking Crew shows that they're going to kind of bring in, um, bring in others. I mean, obviously, there's not the Asgard connection to them as it was in the comics. It's I don't know, I don't know who the bad guy is. Maybe it's uh, I don't know who it could be. It's not Loki, obviously. Um, Maybe it's the leader. Um, could be. That's, that would be a bad tie-in if it was the leader, because that ties. You know, that introduces all these gamma villains that then you could then bring in if you have another Hulk movie or if you have the Hulk in a TV show or something else, you could, um, you could already have them established, you know, um, clearly whoever it is wants her blood and Bruce warned her from the very beginning from the first episode, people are going to be wanting our blood, your blood. They want to synthesize this. We can't let them this. You're always going to have to be on your guard. So I see be. this as, as the seed paying off down the road. But even if you get the blood, you have to have the DNA to handle it, right? That was the whole thing. Yeah, but they'll they'll make up they'll they'll use it to make like. And that wouldn't surprise yeah, but, me at all. Yeah, they don't know that though. You know, Yablonski didn't have the DNA. Um, um, but I'm, they they can write whatever they want. But there there was a, a comment in the first episode something about well, there's three of us. And there's, I can't remember the name or if it's just the initials that they, they throw out there, but it was. And then she has that that uh, Thanksgiving meal with her her family where they all say the wrong things. <laughs> but yeah. there seem to be a whole lot more banners running around than uh, or Walters. I don't know what the right family name is. Than I, I had realized. I was like, kind of caught off guard by that. In fact, somebody pointed out. One of the people around that table looks vaguely like John Byrne. Yeah, and I don't know if that's... And somebody else pointed out, somebody who came down the steps out of the courthouse behind them when there was a press conference kind of stops and then turns and walks out of frame. And that, I haven't seen it since they mentioned it, that also is supposed to look a bit like John Byrne. I don't know yeah, if that's I, I intentional think that's, or not. Uh, I think you, it's stretching a little bit. It could be Byrne, it couldn't be... Um, I don't, um, I, I do think, I know they can never get him to do it, but I, I told Fanula that they are missing out on, because the end credits are all cartoons. They're kind of done in kind of a watercolor look. Yes. I thought, yes. what if Byrne was doing all those end credits? That would be fantastic. Of mm -hmm. course, I don't think he'd ever agree to do it, but that'd be a nice tie-in if he was doing the artwork for that. You mean the camera pulled back at the end and... You see him standing there. Not just if you see him, but just if it was him doing the artwork. So it was his style oh. of doing the, you know, the She-Hulk stuff. He could do it. I mean, but it depends on how he feels about the show and if he's getting yeah. any. I mean, he doesn't own the character, so I don't know if he has any. Well, I any hope residuals. he's getting some residuals from from the characters. I mean, they're borrowing so much from his run. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how that works. I don't know if they have to, you know, if it's just vaguely like his run or if it's, um, 
It's exactly like his run. I don't know. I don't know how they. Uh... I'd be interested to hear Brian's take on that if he gets a chance to listen to this. If he has any insight into that, he may have an opinion. He probably does. Or... Brian usually, like sure. I said, he's he's doing more research than I am. I'm kind of going on my, you know, on my. Something else that occurred to me uh, as I was thinking about this episode, um, thinking about Professor Hulk, and I was thinking how the first episode, you know, shows us the savage She-Hulk, and that she doesn't want to be Bruce's version of the Hulk. The second episode establishes her as um, Jennifer Walters, attorney at law, that, yes, she's going to front for the the Bureau of Superhuman uh, Legal Affairs or whatever that, that division is called super superhuman law or whatever it is and now we've gotten into the meat of the program in and where the stories are actually developing and interweaving between each other and and i feel like we're, we're hitting the ground running now so the first two were kind of set up and it occurred to me if you think way back to about 1962 in the original six issue run of the hulk they really went through this same evolution Every two months, a new issue would come out, and it was pretty clear that somebody wasn't keeping careful notes because every time he showed up in his own magazine, he had a different set of skills. I mean, yeah, one yeah, time yeah. he yes. was Frankenstein, another time he was causing the transformations himself, another time he had Banner's head stuck on a Hulk body. I mean, they were just all over the map. Well, and I think that's... You know, basically, they, they got to <laughs> Professor Hulk by the end of the sixth uh, sixth installment, it was Banner's brain ruling the Hulk's body. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, he, you're right. He went through a, 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 a complete metamorphosis from, you know, transforming at night into the yes. Hulk and being. And it, even in the original, he wasn't completely mindless. He was just more of a more of a brutal type character or personality. And I don't think they had a handle on what they wanted to do. No, because and it wasn't until the next incarnation which is in, I think, the Tales to Astonish, about 5960, after about a year of guest starring in different issues and the Avengers and the Fantastic Four and, and all of that as a brutal, savage Hulk. Then they start to establish it's the emotion that, that makes him transform, that it's, you know, whenever my blood pressure goes up, whenever I get angry, Ditko kind of reworked the character much more into what we came to know as the Hulk. And his status quo for, you know, much of his career. Yeah, that's so, it. Yeah, that's at the groundwork. That was his his stress level, his adrenaline that triggered it. Not because first it was like I said, it was night, and then yes, uh, then that got nixed because when he got shot into space by the was it the Russians, and he got shot into space for a while. Rick Jones could kind of telepathically control him. Yes, and he could fly at times. I mean, it's just, God, it's all over the, the, the map. If you ever get a chance to read those six and, you know. Oh, I've, I've, got the, I've got the pocketbook of those, okay. and I've read those stories countless times. So I know those. The I have those is great, but it's, it's, it's pretty it's good, just, especially that last, dit, the very issue six is Ditko when he's fighting the Metal the Master. Metal Master? Yeah. Okay. That, or was it Tyrannosaur? Not Tyrannosaur. No, it's uh, Tyrannus. Tyrannus. Yes. Yeah, and six. That's, no, five. six is the metal master. Yes, because that's okay. when he he's transforming himself. You know, yes. he becomes almost a regular superhero. Banner's thing. Yes. Uh, he's he's hiding under the the lake in his little cave, yep. and he wants to transform. And then at one point, 
uh, something goes wrong and you point out a point, he's got the Hulk's body and Banner's face. So he puts on this rubber right. mask. All right, latex mask. Yeah. Great job. And then he goes out. Nobody's going to notice that. Yeah, and then they, they take it off. And he's you know, By that he's time, he's caught up and he's transformed. Transformation. Yeah. Um, I don't think they were putting a lot of thought into this or, or for it to be a, a long-running continuity. I really think that between Kirby and, and uh, Lee, they weren't keeping notes. And so it's when they came back to do another issue, it's like, uh, okay, what's this guy's name? Bob Banner? Or is it David Banner? And and what are his his skills? Oh, well, I need to have him fly. So, okay, he can fly. You know, it's like somebody wasn't keeping a, a well, Bible. Well, they, they said he could fly, but I think they were still trying to establish that he really was jumping. But he seemed to be able to change course while he was <laughs> while he was jumping. So yeah, through the force of his muscles. Yeah, yeah sure. But I wonder anyway. if we could. Uh, uh, I wonder if we could get the Toad Men because I know they play, Burn played with them for yes. a while. Um, and you, that's certainly those are comedic. You could have the Toad Men. They could be certainly played off as a joke. Um, I wonder if Blind Phantom is coming. I don't know. I don't know if we'll get her. I mean, that would certainly that'd be a nice way to establish that there was an earlier superhero, you know, like the All Star Squad, or there was uh, somebody that was around Captain America's time that we um, didn't all start with Iron Man. But the, uh, yeah, there was a there is a. It sounds like I'm going to mansplain here, but I will. Um, <laughs> there's a trope in. Uh, Marvel Comics early Silver Age, where they noticed accidental patterns setting up, where their you know their origin is the first issue, and by issue four, there's a Golden Age character, Captain America, the the Human Torch, or the the uh, Submariner, or somebody yeah. comes back in issue four, and then in issue five, no matter who they are, they're fighting Doctor Doom. So in the She-Hulk <laughs> series. They introduced a Silver Age character very deftly. Byrne did this pretty cleverly. Um, that brought in a Silver Age character that we've never seen before or that we don't recognize. He did a really nice spin and twist on it. And at the end of issue four, She-Hulk breaks the fourth wall and says, uh-oh, you know what next issue is? Issue five, oh my God, it's the Doctor. And so you're anticipating it's going to be Doctor Doom. And sure enough, issue five comes out. And instead, it's a Howard the Duck villain by the name of Dr. Bong, who has a yeah. gigantic Liberty Bell for a head. I mean, he sends up, it sends it up really, really, he knows the tropes, he knows the pattern, and he knows to make fun of it. And it just worked brilliantly until he packed up his, his bags and left with issue eight. That's why I think they, no, I don't like that. I, I really would love that they, they, to sharpen up the humor a little more to Burns' level. You know, his was, of course, his was a lot of in-jokes because you really, yes. he, he knows the material so well. So, yes. And I don't think that that relate in the TV show. It, it doesn't. So they're going for the kind of, uh, you know, what I'm calling low-hanging, they're going for the, the easy, the easy jokes. You know, they, uh, the, this, the, the guy what do they you had. Think, what do you think of Jennifer leaning forward in that uh, booth scene in the bar when they're the, the the lawyers get together afterwards and they're all having a drink, and she leans forward and breaks the fourth wall and says, "Ooh, connecting the A and the B plots together." <laughs> Stories in the same same. Now, see that 
that is they need to do more of that. It's I like just, that. That, that is like I know. Oh, that's, that's exactly what they're doing. Here yeah, we go. They, they need to do a little more. And that's and that's that's playing up TV, you know, sitcom tropes, you know, TV tropes, you know. Uh, a lot of times there is the fact that there is an A and a B plot. Sometimes they don't connect. I mean, you, I've watched enough Star Trek that sometimes the A and B plot have nothing to do with each other. So, right. you know, that that is that's kind of just a little witty little, uh, you know, turn to the camera. You know, and I uh, again, I like to see her, you know, say something because one, it it, it 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 you know it it they want to they do have this is kind of an all female crew that's doing this thing the writers directors and all that so why she not you're if they're calling saying, out what you're saying in this she hulk miniseries right i think it's all it, female production I think, crew too well no i don't know about that but there's I know a the showrunner showrunner's who's, who's female the and i think the directors are female and the yeah, writers are female. the director's female so oh i didn't, I didn't know so that. that's good so you know if you want to call that out say uh hey you know uh I bet a male director would never do that. Oh, I bet a male writer would never oh. do that. You know, something like that. Just more of that connecting the A and B plot. I want more of that type of sly humor coming in instead of being just jokey. I don't, I don't mind it. I think a little goes a long ways, and I think they've got about the right amount at this point. Much more of it, and I think it would be, it, it would be too obvious. Too, it would pull you out too, too many times over what? Right, these you do it. That, 30 minutes, 30 minute episodes? That was my problem with Byrne. I thought when he did it, it it um, it went a little too um, a little oh, went, to your point. A little a little went a long way. But I mean, if they if they really wanted to embrace what Byrne was doing, have her walk off the set. I mean, she could literally walk off the set and go to the director and say, "Hey, wait a minute, I'm not doing this scene that way. Redo it." And they have her walk mm -hmm. back and change. I mean, that really is breaking the fourth wall instead of just talking to us. Uh, as the audience, so you should show your wife the uh, the issue where she where Byrne makes her jump rope. Oh, we were we saw that earlier. He's got her jumping rope, and he's got it drawn. It looks like she's naked, but she's oh not yeah, naked. yeah. <laughs> he's uh, he's a master of his craft. Uh, just really, yeah, it was a it was a crude joke, but you know, thinking outside the box. What can I do next issue that'll really you know turn this on the air? Oh well. Will knock the book over so all the black shading falls and flows down to the bottom of the book. It's just brilliant things. He was always just, playing with uh, either it's like an all horizontal issue or his mm -hmm. the one we covered, which was the the snowbird. It was like all white panels issue. Of Some people flat. got so upset by that, but I I took it as a stunt and I didn't mind it. I mean, it's yeah. like hey, I paid my money, I went for the ride, we got this cute little stunt. And then the storyline came back, and we kept going. It's like who who, yeah. who gets outraged by that? It's a two or three panel joke, well, or no, two or three page joke. No different than uh, I think Simonson did it. Uh, well, yeah, I know he did an all splash page, um, and there's no dialogue. Burns done a dialogueless almost Marvel fanfare, but right. Yeah, he was he was always good at, at, at toying with the when you when you're when you're you, you kind of mastered your craft to your point, then you can start playing with concepts well, and layouts the rules and things know like how that. to break them. Yeah, you can do it any, any way you want to. But um, well, uh, was there anything else 
No, I think we've, we've done a pretty good job considering it's just the three of us here. Mm-hmm. So, any other points you guys want to bring up on the third episode or this series so far? No, I mean it's getting better. I mean, I I, I, I kind of had low expectations coming into it, and the first two were kind of a little. Yeah, it's okay. This one is a little. You know, this one was ten percent better. So, so my my prediction is by the end of this season, Tim will have bought onto this. He seems to enjoy it in percentages. So. And I will have been a little bit more educated about She-Hulk by the end well, of this. Well, it's fine. I mean, if, if you love it and I think it's okay, that's fine. I don't have to, we don't have to love it or like it at the same level. Kirk obviously likes it. You know, he needs to, you need to work on your wife and your, you need to work on your wife and daughter to get them uh, on board. I think that if I could, if I could sit them down and not be staring at them to say, what do you think, what do you think, what do you think? <laughs> If, I think if they would discover it on their own, they would enjoy it, and that they would enjoy some of the same themes that I have found. But I have learned that they're independent-minded, and that I can't do that. They'll either find it on their own and enjoy it, or it'll be playing in the room and they'll start to get sucked into it. Yeah. yeah. And then I gotta I mean, let it go. Don't tape them to a chair and tape their eyes open. But uh... exactly. <laughs> well, I saw I... that movie by the way. <laughs> yeah. I think if you watch it and you just don't bring back, like with Tim, like you bring up all the, the rules and what the actual comic said and that kind of stuff. You just like, just let it be okay, what it go. is. That's good. Right. Yeah. yeah. You can, you can, it, it, it can, it can be one of those turn your brain off and just watch it and shut up kind of shows. Yeah. Well, that said, now I'm, you know, when I, when we go to a comic convention, we walk by and I'm like, oh, I'm going to pick up a She-Hulk and see what this thing was really supposed to be, you know, so. I don't know if I've got. I think I, I told you. I think I, uh, I can get them from digitally from Brian if you want to read the original. I've got most of the Tim, burn ones. Tim, do you have the, the uh, either the collected burn run, or do you? I wouldn't send her back to see the the uh, Savage She Hulk. I just I don't think that's worth. I've worth got any time at all. I have all the burn when it came out. I bought them, and I think I've got a big chunk of them digitally because we've covered. I would also you don't have any extra comics. Yeah, I've actually got them, but they're in the other room. So if 15, I go in there, comics. yeah, I was gonna say if I start going through your long boxes and start ripping comics out. Good luck trying to find them. If you guys hear a, a long scream <laughs> off in the distance, yeah. that's yeah. Tim finding me. Right. In the comic no, book but room. what you don't realize <laughs> is that I know my wife, and she would give up after about twenty minutes. That's true. I have <laughs> so, the attention span of a three-year-old. So let me give you an alternative, and I know that Brian, this, this Brian doesn't think this is the right thing to do, or at least I picked up that it irritates him a little bit, but he's not here, so I'm going to say it. There are online reading services that you can go on and you can call up an individual comic, whether it's Marvel or DC, what have you, and you can read it online, page after page after page. Um, and yeah. so, you know, it's not the same as holding it in your hand, and but you, if you want to check it out, you can yeah, yeah, a lot of, you can read for free. Yeah. You can read a lot of yeah. comics, find them up for free. But Tim's, what I'm going to warn you about, though, is if you do this, there are a lot of um, viruses or parasitic programs that nest in those things. My recommendation is that you choose the one that says readcomicsonline.com. If you choose the one that says readcomicsonline.ti mm-hmm. or some other um, suffix, you'll get a virus. Yeah. It's happened to me twice, and it isn't really pleasant because you get all sorts of annoying pop-up ads from McAfee and uh, and other you know web. Uh, they they claim you've got a virus and you have to order now, and it's just yeah. it, it'll you want to tear your hair out. So it's if like you do that, I'm somewhere. suggesting that you 
choose carefully and not say okay to allow any additional parasitic programs that may pop up. All right, Tim I'll get off my about, soapbox. Now. No, no, no. Tim will talk about, like you mentioned earlier, like he's kind of a purist when it comes to this kind of stuff. When you open up a comic yeah. and it's like physical paper and the smell of yes. it. Like yes. that whole, like sitting in a comic book store. And I yep. think, you know, I think if, if I was going to do it, I would go for that experience. There's nothing better than the smell of old comic books. Yes. That's I great. agree. Or old books, even just paperback books. It's mm -hmm. a great smell. Yep. I don't, I, I'm not so much that if I, if I, if I just want to read it, I don't have a problem just reading it digitally. Uh, if I want to, if it's something I think I want to own, then I might want to yeah. keep it. I just, I just bought those off the rack when they came out. So well, and the cool thing about it. it is too, is the old comics, the old ads in there, the stuff that, you know. And the letters page. Yeah. They're like little time machines. Yeah. They're, you know, it's like, it's like, um, watching a, it's like watching something that you taped. On TV in like the 80s or 90s, and you get to see all the commercials. Mm -hmm. It's like a little time machine. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. Well, right. shall we wrap this up then? Yeah. I think we can wrap it up. I think we have proven that we don't need Brian, so we can get rid of him. No. All right. Well, who's, <laughs> no. who's going to deliver the news, though? Okay. No. I'll let you, Tim. You're safer. No. You're closer. No. Well. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, if, if we haven't got this right, if we're misunderstanding S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, write us. Let us know what your thoughts are. Uh, are we mansplaining this too much or too little? Get write us at uh, third degree burn. Got to get burn rather. Got to get burn at uh, gmail.com. Had to think that one through. Or you can find us on the Facebook page, or send us a, uh, an email or a Twitter, or, or uh, get get your opinions to us so that we can share that on the uh, on the call or or online yeah, I mean, as well. Email email us or. Uh, honestly, being on Facebook, that probably gets the most exposure. And when we post the show, you know, make a comment. Like, you guys got it all wrong. You know, you're, you guys are stupid, and, and only the, the girl gets it right. I mean, we were smart enough to get a girl on the show, so they yeah, can't well, say it's just a guy's point of view. Yeah, but you got somebody. I appreciate that, too. <laughs> I appreciate it because I'm, uh, um, I think that's wise. I think we could use another one or two. As well, because there are yeah. other points of view to be shared. Well, maybe we get well. Brian. I mean, Brian's wife. He's been trying to get his wife on, so maybe you know, uh, next week we can get yeah. Brian or Chris. And you know, I I, I may have uh, an old buddy from back in Texas that I may reach out to because I know he's been watching with his wife. Maybe he'd like to come Good. on. Yeah, and uh, that'd be great. I'd love yeah. to hear somebody else's point of view. Somebody who maybe doesn't have comics background or connection to tell us what's working and what's not for them. Yeah. How many episodes are there in this series? Is it eight or ten? I think it's ten. Either ten or eleven. It's at least ten. Mm -hmm. I think. Or maybe twelve. Maybe okay. twelve. I don't know. Well, we'll double check it. Yeah. I should go back and watch the third episode again. So, hey. that's all I've got for Third Degree Burn. I'm Kirk Greenfield. I'm Tim Elliott. And I'm Fanula. Fanula. All right, guys. Thanks so much for your time.
took a little risk Send lawyers, guns and money Dead, get me out of this Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. Some men aren't looking for anything logical like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn.